what do the concepts of capitalism, socialism, and post-capitalism have to do with you and your business? This is why we have Laura here to talk to us a little bit about herself, to talk to us a little bit about these concepts and why they matter to her and why they absolutely should be mattering to you. Laura, welcome so much to the show. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you introduce yourself and dive in. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. So yes, my name's Laura. I'm an activist and a coach and I bridged systems thinking with self-work to really help change makers, and that is every one of us who wants to make a difference in the world, to really deepen our impact and live our best life while we're doing that. I really like this question because I think it's really important. You know, I think first of all, we sometimes confuse business with capitalism or money with capitalism. And it's really important to know that they are not the same thing. Like business and money has existed in various forms for like thousands of years. Like there has always been trade. There has always been some form of give and take and bartering system. But capitalism's only been around for 500 years or so. And we were just talking over on Instagram a little while ago about how capitalism really is one of the leading drivers of the climate crisis. So for us as business owners, we need to be looking at the difference of like, well, what is capitalism? How might I be participating in it? How can I challenge my participation? And how can I use both my life um, and my business and the tools that I have to be part of creating a more just world, a more regenerative world, and really letting the future start to emerge through all of us? You know, that's a really interesting concept, especially because we're, we're looking, we're projecting outward in this, in this state. And we can also take that and, and hold it dear in the idea of how is this impacting ourselves and our business? Because a lot of times we function in both capacities. And, I, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. I, I don't necessarily stand in one base camp or another with regards to extreme views. I'm, I'm very open-minded and very flexible with regards to that. And so when I hear that, I think, okay, well, I want to better the world. I want to make, I want to make sure that we are creating a sustainable environment. I want to make sure that we're creating a sustainable um, economy. I want to make sure that everyone is in a space of, of abundance. Absolutely. And also, I want to make sure that I have the opportunity to better myself, to create personal innovation, and to make sure that my opportunity isn't stemmed by others lack of ambition so this is where we play with these two kind of concepts of that external and internal capitalism socialism and business growth so i'm curious about how does how does this this idea this concept of capitalism that is permeated throughout our entire culture our entire being how does this wind up being reflected in our day-to-day -day and in particular in our business oh my gosh so many ways so like i use the term internalized capitalism a lot and internalized capitalism is just the equation of our worth with our productivity or with what we produce so it's the toxic elements of that system that believes in infinite growth that there's never enough it's the element of scarcity, right? That says that you're not enough as you are and there's not enough and you need to be doing more. It's the devaluing of beautiful, complex living resources like our body and what it wants of us and its energy and its capacity and going, yeah, okay, but I've just, I've just got to get this next thing done. I can rest on the weekend or I can rest when I've got that vacation coming up. And so internalized capitalism shows up as feeling guilty when we rest or take time off. 
And like, this is so common for like any solopreneur here as well. Like if you've started a business, like I guarantee you've probably experienced all of this because I certainly have. Um, I can see you nodding your head as well. Absolutely. Uh, and actually, as you were speaking, I went, oh my gosh, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me how, how capitalist that is. Yeah, that concept right. of doing, do, 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 go, 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 go. Oh, I should, shooting all over yourself. If, if there's a, a wonderful interview that I've done with Lindsay Harrell-Kadatz, if you haven't watched it, you should. She talks about how you really should stop. You sh Here I am caught in the trap. Stop shooting all over yourself. And this is it. This is capitalism. Well, exactly. Shoulds are through lines to stories and a lot of them are cultural stories. So the cultural stories of capitalism, again, is the stories of never enough and needing to be more. So it shows up as time scarcity, like that feeling that there's never enough time. Okay. And this is like, this is probably like one of my strongest ones and it's all over our language. How often do we say things like, ah, how's the weekend? Oh, that was good, but you know, it could, it wasn't long enough. Or we have a lot to fit into this meeting today. We're just going to power through. We're going to like pack a lot in. Or even like, thank God it's Friday. Like, you know, like there's a sense of like, yeah, oh, it's like four o'clock on Sunday. It's time to be depressed again because our relationship to time is very linear and it's very extractive. We see it as something that we can waste, that we can squeeze, you know, that you can always kind of be taking something from. Internalized capitalism shows up as um, you know, saying yes when we want to say no, uh, when we talked about this sense of like multitasking. So like even as you're probably like listening to this, like maybe you're like cooking dinner or maybe you're like playing on your phone or like, so we're like very feeling like, oh, there's just always got to be a little bit more. It tells us happiness is in some future destination and not here now. So this is how it affects us as individuals. This is everybody across our culture, I believe. But particularly as business owners, I think it's really important that we're aware of this because then, one, these things don't make us happy, right? They're huge drivers of burnout, okay? And if you're in the first couple of years of business, like burnout is so risky because it's just you give everything to it and you know, there's a lot of work that it takes up front. And it's also this sense of starting to recognize, well, okay, where am I feeling scarcity? Where am I then maybe selling from scarcity? Where am I maybe like perpetuating this sense that like, oh, if you don't sign up now, like, you know, th there's not enough and we're just kind of keeping the system moving. So it's important we start to look at our participation. I am hearing another element to this that I wasn't expecting. And and it's reminding me of, of a friend of mine, actually, a transformational life coach here in, near where, where I live. And she was telling me about how your moments now can be just as full of joy as those dream moments that, that you envision. And she specifically told me about how, like, what do you want to, like, she asked me, what do you want to do? What, what is that thing? And I'm like, well, I really want to travel. I want to, I want to explore. I want to have an adventure. I'm very adventuresome. I love it. Um, she said, okay, so what's, pre what's preventing you from doing that now? I was like, I don't know, like, I guess money and, and time and, and all of these resources. And she says, well, what's stopping you from just hopping in the car and taking a left, right trip? And I was like, what the hell's that? She says, go in there and everybody takes a turn picking left or right. And where you end up is where you end up. That's an adventure. It's all about the way you think about it. And so we've been conditioned through capitalism to think about this thing as, as, as a resource that must be constantly extracted, constantly like extrapolated. And it doesn't have to be, you can sit in it and you can enjoy it for what it is now. 
I sometimes use this term internalized extractivism. And for anybody who doesn't know, extractivism is a term that we tend to use, um, particularly as climate activists, that talks about the way we tend to take uh, resources from the from the world, like you know, minerals and gas and oil and coal and whatever it may be, with very little regard for the natural environment and the surrounding environment, next to no regard for their renewal, and also with some really toxic power dynamics from like the global south to the global north. But I think we do the same thing to our bodies, right? We assume that our energy, our attention, our creativity should always be there on demand whenever we want them. And one of the best definitions I've heard of burnout is borrowing from tomorrow's energy to use today and doing that enough times that eventually we get to tomorrow and it's not there, right? So we are extracting from ourselves in the same way that we extract from the earth. And so there's always this like mirrored relationship between world and culture and self and body. And this is the space that I like to work because you're completely right. Like we just see see these things as like something to take and that's completely cultural. It's not human. And that is mind blowing, like absolutely mind blowing. Just the concept of, of, of our every day, of every single thing we do every day, not actually even being human. It's taking away our humanness in essence. Well, I think so, also sometimes we think this is like human. We think this is like human nature, right? But I think that's actually not necessarily true, particularly when you do start to look at other cultures and other ways of being human. You know, it is a distinctly a product of being in Western, uh, neo, particularly neoliberal capitalism over the last kind of 50 years or so that has really evoked this nature. It's not just inherent to who we are. So how do we tap into who we are then? Like, how, how can we actually show up in life and in business without this intensely ingrained notion that seems to be impacting every single thing we do? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think there's so many layers to this, right? So I use the term getting free a lot. And I always see getting free as a practice, not a destination. You know, we, we sometimes think of these lovely, like beautiful moments of like, you know, being reborn or like, you know, being bathed in the river and then like I'm, I'm out and I'm free. But it's so rarely, we can't manufacture those moments, right? It's so rarely that way. So we work in the everyday, we work in the practice, we work in, in the very minute. And this means like each day kind of returning to our body, starting to connect to our bodies. What are we feeling? What do I feel in my shoulders? What do I feel in my chest? What do I feel in my jaw? It means... Uh, as we were talking about, starting to notice all of those shoulds that we say because they're everywhere, right? Shoulds are through lines to stories. It's starting to ask, why am I doing this? Who benefits from this? Who benefits when I'm exhausted? You know, and actually there are very much power structures in the world who do benefit. You yeah. know, who misses out? And it's starting to build this analysis of looking at why we do what we do and returning to an inner compass and returning to that, to that inner wisdom that I think each and every one of us holds. What I'm finding interesting about a lot of the conversations that I'm having is that there's this thread of this mind-body connection and this, this concept where a lot of people are living up here in their cerebral space um, without actually being critical about that. They're simply functioning. They're being reactive. They're functioning on autopilot. Even if we're saying that we're thought leaders, even if we're do doing the work, and it's because we're, we're lacking that connection, that grounding that is required in order to, to really ask yourself, like, who am I? 
And who am I in this space? And how am I impacting that space? Mm. I, you know, I, I think that's quite true. And I also think that we're quite conditioned to be disconnected from our bodies. And like, for me, I wasn't, I was like so disconnected from my body for like so many years. Right. It wasn't until I was like in therapy and I was like 28 and I was like, Oh my God, like my emotions are in my body. Like (laughs) it took like so long to really start reconnecting with them because it was just like so disconnected. And there's many reasons for that. You know, trauma is one of them, but it's also just a product of this culture um, of being kind of always sold that it's about what we think, you know, we think, I think therefore I am. And so this is a practice and a process, I think, of really learning to ground in and to trust ourselves, particularly as women, particularly um, as any kind of uh, minority in this culture, we have been conditioned to believe that maybe, you know, what you think isn't quite right or what you feel isn't quite right or to hide your emotions or to hide your shame or you're not good enough as you are. There are all of these kind of cultural stories that have come to us that, of course, make sense that we disconnect from and we do what we're supposed to and we live very neck up. And you know what's funny is that as soon as you said, you just said women and minorities in our culture, I had just written women in culture. And and the thing that came up for me was that I, I know a friend who went and sought help from a, a therapist, from somebody in the psych area, and was really looking at, okay, I think this is my, I think this particular thing is my issue. And so you know, they, they did the, the tests and the questions and all that jazz. And they said, no, 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 I don't think that's your issue. And, and the, the, the issue that they said it was, no, I'm not saying it was right or wrong, but they said that it was just a matter of functioning as a woman in this world that I just this was a psychology this is a psychologist and say okay so what do we do about that well you know make sure that you're you're getting the support you need from your husband and it's like this is a difficult conversation already <laughs> now now the next well some read some of these books well see what sort of resources are available in your community okay so every single time we moved on to a quote unquote solution, we were presented with more problems because of the way our culture is structured. So how can we as, and I'm just gonna take the, cause that can be a whole other thing. How can we take this information as, as women and minorities and even anybody in business truly, when it comes down to it within this culture, how can we take that and, and function in our business in a way that upholds principles that go against these ingrained things that are truly holding us back. How can, how can we structure that? What's our first step? Oh my gosh. I love this, right? Because exactly. Very often when we start to talk about these systems, they feel too big. Who am I to like, I can't dismantle patriarchy. Like I can't like shift the world beyond capitalism. I feel like I can. Some days I put on my best underpants and I'm like, you know what? I got this. <laughs> exactly. But like we, we often outsource these problems. Like, oh, this is like for the politicians or the activists mm. or, like, you know, the economists. And I actually believe that this is work that each and every one of us can be doing. And so this is where we start to come into the ideological space of these systems and starting to understand how they manifest. So the first thing we can be doing is when we recognize how they manifest in us, as us, and through us, because systems are never just outside of us. They're not just some piece of paper. They live in humans. They carry down generation to generation. 
So we can do that work of getting free. The more of us who do that work, the more capacity the external systems actually have to, to change. And also to create the conditions in our own life for thriving, right? To create the conditions for us to flourish personally. Because you're right, if we can't be having these conversations with our partner about a patriarchy and like how this is playing out, there's something wrong there because we absolutely should be able to. The second thing is we need to be using our businesses though as tools for justice. And what I mean by this is that, you know, and I'm not a marketing coach and I do want to say this, but, you know, a lot of the marketing and sales techniques that are commonly sold to us are based on scarcity, based on convincing people they're not enough as they are. Uh, they're based on, well, how cheaply can you get this done in, in some other place? Mm -hmm. It's completely based on the devaluation of another living human person and what you can extract from them. So using our business for justice and using our business for love and using our business as a tool to remake the world means really baking in all of our values, all of our ethics, all of these considerations into the strategy, into the marketing, into every layer that we're working. And this is how we start to remake the world. We do the inner work, but then we also use our external tools to remake the world outside of us. You got to know I love that. <laughs> that's like that's like my bread and butter that's just you saying that just validates all of the things because I am human and validation does feel good uh, it validates all of those things and I'm like listen we've got to really hunker down and this is actually what I call ethical marketing right we're, we're actually thinking and being intentional about what we're bringing into our marketing and how our marketing is shifting the world around us but also being reflective and thinking critically about how the marketing that's out there that may not have been done ethically is impacting ourselves. And so it's this cycle that we're constantly going through that you just described very well is that that internal work that's then reflected into the external. And we're just constantly filtering and then hopefully projecting the good parts out onto the world. And that can be challenging. That can, it can, that can be. be hard. Especially when we're looking at thing, big, big topics like feminism and capitalism. Yeah, exactly. And this is why I also think that we need groups to work with because, you know, when we're the only ones that hold these ideas and maybe like our friends haven't gotten on board yet or our partners are on board yet. And it kind of seemed like the quirky, like odd one who's like a little bit like radical or a little bit idealistic or whatever it might be. It's like, no, we need to recognize that we need a community of people who also share these ideals. The world was made by people. There is no reason we can't remake it. The world is not fixed. The world as it is today is not the same as it was 100 years ago, 500 years ago, and certainly not a 1,000 years ago. There is absolutely no reason that every single one of us can't be a part of working in our communities, uh, in, our, in our states, in our countries, at every single level to be part of saying, hey, you know what? This isn't really working. Are any of us really happy? Most of us are burnt out and exhausted. Okay, uh, the world is kind of burning and it's on fire and climate change is getting worse and we need to do something. You know, we have, you know, inc horrific racial injustice and widening inequality in our countries. We still have war as this kind of somehow acceptable answer to anything. And so we need to be able to say, you know what? No, no more. Have practice groups to work with and then bake our values, bake our vision as well for a more beautiful world into what we're doing so that every day is starting to live and vision and seed this world into reality. That's, I feel like there's like a mic drop that needs to happen there. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And, and it's, there's a quote, isn't, isn't there? You were talking about how individuals 
can really make a make a huge difference. And, and there is a quote where it says something to the effect of like, uh, how can how can a, a small well, how can one person or a small group of people change the world? Well, in fact, those are the people who always have in history. There like, is. It's yes. very rarely the big groups of people who actually change the world. It's typically that that smaller group who, who stand for what is right. Yeah, and there's another quote I love by Rob Hopkins, who uh, was one of the co-founders of the transition movement and works a lot in the kind of climate space. And, mm -hmm. you know, when he's talking about climate change, he says, if we wait for governments, it might be like too little, too late. And if we work as individuals, it's not enough, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe if we work as communities, it'll be just enough, just in time. And so where this is coming back to is like, yes, understanding our power as individuals, understanding our own sense of agency, really cultivating and stewarding our power, which is one of the things that we work on in a lot of my programs. What does it mean to steward your power? But then also like finding your people, okay? Because these are the people and these are the places that you are going to be working. And anytime we're looking at shifting the world from as it is to as it could be, there's going to be a resistance in the world as it is. That's okay. That resistance is not a problem. Our work is to just keep moving towards the world as it could be, keep spreading those seeds and keep planting it so that it can um, gradually come along with us. And I want to add to that. Before, before we close off, I want to add to that. For anybody who's thinking about how they're showing up, because I know that, Laura, you had said, I'm not a marketing person. Well, hi, <laughs> I'm here to help you with your marketing. But truly, um, with with that concept in mind, this marketing concept, this, this innovative, progressive thinker, really <laughs> global change, like just being able to make a change in the world, it requires courage and it requires vulnerability. And so if you are fearful of showing up within your marketing, personally and, profess and professionally, um, if you're fearful of, of showing up and standing for your advocacies, the things that really matter for you, then I want to challenge you to walk through that fear, to be courageous and stand up for what matters to you. Because they're, they're guaranteed, you know, there are many people within your community, both online, offline, entrepreneurially, or even just your neighbor, who are thinking these things, but they don't have the podium that you have as an entrepreneur. They don't have that stadium of people li potentially listening to them. And so they're not going to really say anything unless somebody who does have it says it. So this is your push. Take the lead. Start a movement. You've got, I guarantee you have already a community of people who will stand with you. You just have to have that courage. I'm not saying to get rid of the fear. It's going to be scary. It's going to be there, but, but have the courage to, to say what you mean and mean what you say, to be a leader in doing what is right, which is actually something that I say to my kids every day. So here we are. Laura, I want to invite you to share your final thoughts and also, of course, to invite people to connect with you because they need to. If you have... Yeah, I can't say <laughs> I'm gesturing. For anybody who's who's listening to the audio, I'm gesturing emphatically at Laura. You need to speak with her. It's it's uh one of those you gotta put it on your bucket list, if nothing else. Like goodness gracious. So Laura, please go ahead and tell the world a little bit more about how they can touch with you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So my website is laurahartley.com. And, you know, I'm really interested in helping change makers. And that is anyone who has a vision for another world, who believes that another world is possible to make their impact in the world. Right. So I agree. We live at a time that has never required as much change as now. Like climate change demands so much of us. It requires almost every industry to innovate. It requires our communities to radically change and on an incredibly fast scale. And this doesn't have to be scary or terrifying, even though it often sounds that way. Like it can also be an incredible act of courage, of love, of power, um, and really seeding the world that we want. So if you want to figure out what your role is in remaking the world or, you know, kind of explore your relationship to capitalism, you can visit laurahartley.com. Oh, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. And it also directly ties into something that we didn't touch into today, but that I want to, Laura. So I want to thank you for joining me today, but I also want to encourage everyone to, to subscribe to the YouTube channel so that you can see when Laura's going to join me again to talk about post-capitalism and the ideas that we can move forward with so that we can keep the wheel turning towards this beautiful, progressive and innovative future without taking more than there is available. Without, while, you know what, let's stop the withouts, while maintaining sustainability within and about ourselves. So we're going to chat again, Laura and I. Thank you again, Laura, for joining us and everybody else. We will see you next time.